everyone, and welcome to That Lux Life Podcast. I'm your host, Aisha A.K. Lesh of the petite fashion and luxury lifestyle blog, Living Lesh, where I aim to redefine what luxury means and lead you into living your best life. Each week, I'll be bringing you those tips, secrets, and bits of inspiration that will take you into living your luxurious life without the four-figure price tag. So get ready to live your life in luxury, because guess what? You deserve it. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the That Lux Life podcast. I am Aisha, aka Lush, your host of the That Lux Life podcast and owner of the blog Living Lush. And today I actually want to talk about a very important topic that I haven't shared over many years. And I haven't shared, you know, on my blog and I haven't shared on my Instagram because it was super personal to me and I kind of felt a certain way about it um, to a certain extent. And as I came out of my journey and I started sharing tidbits of my journey with others who were in my inner circle. I started to realize that sharing my story was a lot more helpful than I actually thought. And that being able to share this story out, you know, with the world, it's something that's going to help me find a little bit more confidence and help in what I went through and also maybe able to touch somebody else. So I actually have PCOS, and that is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And for those who don't know, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome is basically when your your body or your your ovaries don't release an egg. Um, And when the egg doesn't release, it basically causes a cyst on your ovaries. And it's not painful. I mean, at least not for me. Um, From the research that I've done, it, it can happen with a lot of people, a lot of different people have different, um, they have different symptoms. So some of the symptoms can include weight gain, um, uh, overproduction of uh, testosterone, which can produce extra unwanted hair. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that it really hurts your fertility. It, it affects your fertility in a very negative way. If you want to look at it that way, at least that's how I felt for me that because it was not make, like having me able to produce a, a regular cycle, it became a fertility issue. Um, it was harder and harder for me to get pregnant. And um, to start off my story is I didn't know I had PCOS until I tried to get pregnant. Um, when I first started my cycle, I first got my period when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, I immediately got on birth control because my my cycles were super painful to the point where I was just basically out of commission. And it was very difficult for me to go through. Um, and it was very concerning to my doctors because I was an athlete. And for athletes, usually the amount of work that you're doing, the, the water intake and the activity you're doing helps to decrease that that pain and helps to kind of, you know, basically it helps your cycle. Um, that's at least what my doctor was telling me at the time. And because it was still so painful while I was being an athlete, they were saying, you know, it's a possibility that if I, if I wasn't athletic, it could be a lot more painful. So in order to, you know, help with the pain, help subside and, you know, kind of decrease what was happening and the flow and all of that, um, I was put on birth control. So I was put on the pill um, right from initially getting my cycle and I stayed on it uh, for years. I stayed on the pill. And then once I found out about Nuvering, which was a thing at the time, um, I got that. And even when um, the IUDs came out, I decided I just didn't want to get that. So I kept with Nuvering. Um, 
until my husband and I decided after, you know, we got married, we'd been, you know, together as a married couple for about a year um, and we wanted to start our family. So I stopped birth control and for a while I wasn't getting a normal cycle. And when I went to my OBGYN, they explained to me that it could just be happening because of the fact that I was on birth control for so long. That most women, when they're, they come off of birth control from being on it consistently for years after years after years, their cycle has to re-regulate because now it's, it's not getting a certain hormone that they've, it's been getting over and over again with the birth control. So to me, it was normal. I was like, okay, you know what? It's just going to be irregular. And I was getting my, my period maybe like every other month at the time. And I thought it was just, okay, I'm having a regular cycle because I'm getting off of birth control. And they were saying like, you know, maybe take three or four months for it to, to, um, subside and stop. Um, I would say probably about four months after I got off birth control, I went like two months in a row where I didn't get my period. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's working. We finally got pregnant. That was quick. And I took a test negative. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just, you know, it got super irregular at the time. And I was like, you know, nothing to be concerned about. So we just kept trying and trying. And then I think, you know, after like, uh, it was a three month span that happened and I got my period again. So back in case in my mind, I was like, this is just the irregular effects of me being off of birth control. But now with it being about six months since I had take, I've been gotten off of birth control, it was a little still concerning to me, but I didn't take it to the full extent of something ha- like was, was happening that I didn't understand. So after that, I kind of went into, okay, well, what's, what are we doing now? So I went in and was like, you know, maybe we start, you know, tracking, you know, my cycle. So I went and got the tests to to track cycles. One of my ovulate, the ovulation tests. And every time I took an ovulation test, it was just coming back that I was never ovulating. I would take them. I spent a good amount of money on those ovulation tests. And for months, it would say I'm not ovulating. So then I was like, okay, well, I must be pregnant because I'm not getting a period. I'm not ovulating. So I must be pregnant. But then those tests were coming up neg- uh, negative. So the amount of tests that I'd spent amount of money I spent on tests in that that time frame was far more than I would have liked to admit. Um, and then after about seven, eight months, I went back to my doctor and I said, something's not, something's, something's off. Um, you know, I'm still irregular. I'm getting all of these tests. It's just happening. They're like, you know, usually we don't do anything until you've been trying for a year and then, you know, we'll see what's going on. But you know, we'll take a look and, and see what happens. You to make another appointment for um, an intravaginal ultrasound. So I said, okay, you know, nothing really worried about that. And of course, the, the with doctors, the next the next appointment wasn't until about a month or two later. So at this point, I'd now been off of birth control for about 10 months. So it had been approaching a year. So I went in for my ultrasound appointment and, you know, they did everything they were supposed to do. And at the end of the appointment, they kind of sat me down and they said, you know, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And of course, I'm looking at them like, what, what does this mean? Because I had never heard of that term before. I had didn't even know it existed. And I, I never felt that I had anything like it. Um, because how was I supposed to tell? There was no way for me to even detect it because of the fact that all the other symptoms that usually come with uh, PCOS that people usually find out early on before they realize it's a fertility issue is, you know, I didn't have those. I wasn't having any increased weight gain. Um, I can't really tell I was producing more testosterone. Um, I didn't have a random um, hair growth. I didn't have anything that would alert me that I needed to go get tested or get get something looked at that would have told me I had PCOS. So 
unfortunately with me at the time, my OBGYN that I had wasn't the best at explaining what was going on. Um, I understood, obviously, how the reproductive system worked. I understood that I had something. So, of course, I went and did my own research. But as we all know, you do your own research. You go down this rabbit hole. Next thing you know, you're reading these forums with these horror stories about women who had to go through all of this. And next thing you know, they spent $100,000 on IVF. And it just kind of went down to the fact where I just started becoming panicked. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to have a child. Like, this is just not going to be me. I'm just, I'm like, I have to face the point that either I'm going to adopt, which is nothing wrong with that. And I was okay with doing that or, but I'm not going to be able to have a child on my own. It was just one of those things that I felt like I would have to face. So I went through a variety of struggles hearing the news. It was just a lot of things that went through my head at the time. Um, but you know, I talked to my mom at the time I had talked to my sister, I had been talking to my husband and it was one of those things where they kept saying, you know, do more research, talk to another doctor, see what there can be do. This can't be the end all be all. Other people have this. I'm sure there are ways they have fertility doctors for a reason. Um, and of course, at that time I had been approaching a year. So it was time that I was allowed to, I guess, allowed, if you want to say it that way, I'm not sure what allowed is, but it was time that I could go see a fertility doctor. Um, a positive thing at the time also was that I, we were moving. So we were moving from our apartment into um, our our first home and it allowed me to change doctors. And because we were place we were moving was back towards where I originally grew up, I was able to get back into the um, system, the health system that I had already been in. So I was able to talk to doctors, my family doctor that I've been talking to before and go back to an OBGYN who I had been working with before. And um, they were able to provide me more information. And I think it was just going back to that comfort kind of gave me a little bit more ease. And I was talking to my OBGYN at the time and they, she was just like, you know, this isn't the end all be all. Did they tell you about Clomid? And I said, well, what's, what's Clomid? And she explained to me that Clomid is basically a, it's a pill that forces ovulation. And it, it, a lot of people, a lot of women use it to, to have children, to go through that process. And it also kind of helps with other aspects too. So what I also learned that with uh, PCOS, with you, with with women who don't ovulate regularly and they don't get periods regularly, it caused the uh, intrauterine lining. I guess that's what I think that's the term for it to build up, which could possibly cause a form of cancer. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, it could cause. I think it's uterine, intrauterine cancer. So of course that wasn't something that I wanted to get. Um, but having the Clomid was going to not only clear up my lining, which I still take Clomid now, not even for just the, um, the, um, the fact that I want to ovulate and have a child, but also to clear out that uterine lining because I'm currently not on birth control. And again, not because we're trying to have a child, we're just not trying to prevent it. It's just one of those things. If it happens, it happens. We're ready to have another one. Um, but still going through this journey. For those who don't know, at this point, I do have a son. So this does have a happy ending for me. Um, I will say that it's not like it's a bad ending for others who aren't able to have a child, but it's a lot more difficult and it's a lot more struggle. But I do want to share this story to say that, you know, if you are dealing with this from the start, that there is, there are ways. Um, but I was, I was put on Clomid and I went through about two cycles of Clomid before going to see a fertility doctor. And 
I was recommended it from my OBGYN and I kind of went in already defeated. It had already been over a year. Um, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, my body's not working for me. I'm broken. This is not going to work. This is all my fault. I definitely got into that stage of depression where I felt like my body was against me and I was paying for something I had done in my past that this was just kind of this bad karma that I brought upon myself. And I realized now looking back that me being in that mindset wasn't helping me, that I needed to let things go. I needed to be less stressed. I needed to relax in order for my body to be able to do what it needed to do, let the clomid help it, but for it to be able to actually do what it needed to do. Because if I had conceived my son in this stressed out body, it wouldn't have been helpful for him or healthy for him at all. So I went to the fertility doctor and he did a lot more of breaking down of the, what was going on with my body with literally we sat down in this office and it was like the funniest thing now thinking back to it, but it was like the best thing at the time, especially because like I would come home, my husband's trying to understand what's going on, but I am not explaining it correctly at all because I really don't know. And the only thing I'm doing is reading WebMD and Google, which is never the best thing. Um, but we sat down in his office and he basically brought out a piece of paper and was like, you know, I've looked at all of your labs and the ultrasounds and your blood work and everything you've had done from these doctors. And yes, you do have PCOS. That's that's not anything that we're going to argue. But he's like, do you fully understand what that means and what this clomid is doing for you and what's happening to your body? And I looked at him and I said, I'm reading things. And he goes, no, no, no. Whether you're reading things or not, do you understand fully? And I said, I do better when someone tells me and shows me like I'm a visual and auditory learner. I can read. I said, but I, I can't, I can't always when it's like so much information, I just can't absorb it and understand it fully. So he brought out a piece of paper and literally drew out the reproductive system as my body was working. So it wasn't like here is a reproductive system. That's how the reproductive process works. He goes, this is exactly what your body's doing. And he sketched it out and he showed it and he goes, this is what we want it to do. And this is what we're going to do to make it to do this. Visuals, step-by-steps took me through everything to understand what was about to happen. So the first step for us was, you know, I was going to take a break off of Clomid. They wanted to go in. They wanted to do a number of other tests to kind of also make sure looking that um, my ovaries were were working correctly, that nothing else was going on that they couldn't see. They also had to um, test my husband's sperm at the time. So they had to go do some collection and do some lab analysis. Um, they wanted to do another, um, you know, another monitoring of my ovulation without having being on Clomid. So they told me to stop. So I think at that point I was on my last pill of that cycle because you go on certain cycles, you take a break. So like, we'll finish this cycle and then we're going to let this pass. And then basically we're just going to like, if the the egg, you know, if the egg doesn't come through, then we're going to move on. Um, And something in myself said, okay, let this go. And I think as I walked out of that fertility doctor's, you know, the doctor's place, you know, the, the place I felt a wave of relief come over me. There was just so much that I now understood. I felt a lot more hopeful. I felt that someone was out there that was going to help me. And they were, he was even sitting there saying going IVF is an option, but it's the last option we're going to take. We're going to start with all these tests. We're going to go back and try Clomid again for a bunch of cycles. We're going to do the Clomid with monitoring, which basically means I take the Clomid, 
When I'm supposed to have an egg, they'll go and do an interuterine ultrasound to see if it's happening, be able to track it and then go, okay, it's about to release, you know, try naturally on these days. And then if it doesn't work the natural way with Clomid, then we're the next cycle with Clomid with, um, it was called IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, where basically they, you know, my husband gives his, his sample. And then when they know that I'm about to ovulate, they take the sample and they put it in me and the doctor's office. And then after a few cycles of that, you know, then we go to IVF. And now the Clomid was the cheapest aspect of just doing it naturally with Clomid because I think I was paying, you know, $4 per every pack I was getting. Interuterine was going to be a couple, like a, like a thousand, two thousand dollars um, And it was $2,000 for every cycle we did interuterine. And if we went to IVF, it was going to be a little over $11,000. But the system that they had was that if you do IVF and it is successful, then they keep the money. If it's not successful, they try another round, but you don't pay again. So it was just a system they had set up. Um, and then fortunately for us, if we ended up doing the IUI, we were also able to put in our income and get some income reduction or some support. They had financial services that were there. Now, I forgot to really this. It is called um, Shady shady fertility it's it's something i will have to you know figure it out but if you look up something's the shady fertility and google that that's what they're called um so we started that we walked out with all of our options and we definitely went with okay let's try the let's let me let me end this this cycle of the clomid and you know do all the tests so i just set up one test where i had to go in the hospital and i forget what the test was called but basically they would end up putting dye into my system to be able to look at my my um, uterus and my ovaries and they're basically telling me on the the call when I set up saying they're like, just make sure that you're not pregnant. Make sure you clear all of that. Make sure that there's like no egg. Because obviously if there's an egg or you are pregnant, it's going to basically cause a miscarriage. Um, so I think I went to bed that night after having that, that conversation. And something inside me told me, my body, there's something going on. There's something that I need to focus on. And something told me to call the doctor and just ask, is there any way we can just do a, a interuterine ultrasound just to check to make sure that my system's clear? And they kind of went back and forth on it. And finally, they, they, I was like, I just, you just have to listen to me. Please let me do it. You know, I'll pay out of pocket if I have to. We'll submit it. I'll argue with my insurance. I just want to make an appointment and come in and check. So they said, okay, well, we have an appointment two days from now. You can come in and you can check. So I came in. And they, they looked in and they said, you have an egg that is about to release. Like the Clomid worked and it's about to release an egg. So like you can either A, let it go or, and then we can pass through it and then start with our process or you can, you can try. But if you try, you have to wait a few extra more weeks where we can take the, do these other tests and start it. And of course with me, I had been waiting, we'd been waiting so long that I was like, I just want to try right away. But there was this overwhelming feeling that just said, Aisha, go home, try, wait a few weeks, push this back. It's going to be okay. So we went home, you know, I told my husband what was going on and as unsexy as it sounds, I explained to him like, yo, we are on a schedule. Like we got to get this done. And we tried and weeks after that, I kind of just sat there and I waited and I waited and one morning I woke up and I said, okay, you know, this is the time they told me to wait. It's been two weeks after we've tried. We go take a test. And of course I was expecting to be negative. So I wasn't, there wasn't anything happening. And I went and I took a test and the two lines popped up. 
And when I tell you that I did, I was in disbelief. I think I had been so used to seeing negative tasks that I looked at it and I was confused. I was like, this isn't what this is supposed to look like. Like this isn't normal. So I, of course I, I, I bought these little strips, the ones you can get off of Amazon. They're like come in packs. They're really cheap. So I was like, this is not real, but I had a, like a clear blue test, the, the digital one that, um, I still had and I had saved. So I was like, okay, well, you know, let me take one of these Amazon tests again. Maybe this one's a fluke. This one's broken. It's obviously something went wrong. So I, I took it again because um, I had a, a cup this time. So I dipped it in the cup and it came with two lines again. So I said, okay, well, let me try the clear blue one. And it popped up and it said pregnant. So my husband who was, I, I got up earlier than him because at the time I was teaching. So I got up earlier than him. I walked out of our bathroom. I kind of knocked, I nudged him and the bathroom light was shining out. And I said, I held up the task, the glare one. And I said, you have to look at this. So he's looking at it and he's like, okay. And I said, did you see what it says? And he said, why are you, why are you waking me up and telling me you're pregnant? Like, just go, go to work. So in his mind, he hadn't even fully understood what was happening. And plus he's asleep. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'm having a dream. So I, I was like, maybe I'm crazy. And this is how, like, it's how bad how we got to the point where we saw so many negative tests and that we just kind of already set our mind and going through this process and paying this, the money for the processes that neither one of us really absorbed the moment. I got in the car. It's how I also, I, I took pictures of it because I was like, I'm going to go ask somebody. Like, I was still confused. Got in the car and I got a call from my husband and he just went, did you so, show me a test that you're, you're pregnant? And I said, I think so. So I took a picture and I left them on the counter, which... And all that was probably gross, but I left them there. So he said he got up and he goes, you're pregnant. And he just kept saying it. So then at the time, I think, again, I was still in disbelief. I sent a pic, sent the picture to my sister and she, she called and she's ecstatic. And I think I still hadn't fully gathered it yet. And I came home and I looked at my husband and we had the test there. And after I would say, seven or eight hours had passed since I had taken that test. And then it hit me. We were having a baby and it worked for us because I stopped stressing. And I, I, I'm a firm believer that our son came after we moved into the house. We came, we came home. I got to a place where I was comfortable with my doctors. I understood what was happening with my body. And I felt hopeful again to the point where my body and my mind and my emotions and the stress just was gone it was gone and my body went now I can do what you're asking me to do yes you have PCOS but it is not the end of the world and we're going to work this out together my body and I came to a conclusion and I've heard women who've had these stories and gone through this um, Macy off of Teen Mom she shared her story on the show about how she has PCOS and she has children and there are ways and PCOS has other aspects to it, such as, you know, not only weight gain, but diabetes, the risk of cancer. There are other things that come along with PCOS besides the infertility, but there are ways out there that doctors have helped women to, to get through some of the things that come with it, some to get through these symptoms and to, to overcome the obstacles that they're feeling. And if you're someone who has PCOS and you're just finding out and you're trying, you're at the beginning of your journey, just know that there's hope out there. Um, there is hope out there and you have to kind of just let your body do what it needs to listen to your doctors, 
understand what's going on with your body and then, you know, keep going. Um, I, I already have prepared myself that when we decide to start trying for a second child that I'm going to go through a, this journey again. It's going to be a struggle. But I think now understanding that I know my body can do this, understanding what's happening, I'm going to feel less stressed about it. I'm going to be more patient with it and just go when, when it's time for us to have a second child, it'll happen. And if we have to go through more than just Clodman, we have to do the IUI, we have to do go through IVS, it's going to be okay. And that what's meant to be will meant to be. And that is just my story. I've, I've learned a lot that I'm, I'm very proud of what my body was able to do. I'm proud of the journey that I went through. I get to look at my son every day and, and know that this it's love came from the stress that I let go. And he was born out of hope and optimism. And it was just a, a great, great journey. And I'm continuing with that journey with planning for another child and, and continuing motherhood. Um, so I hope this is something that, you know, if you're with PCOS or you just know someone with PCOS, it's helping you understand. It's helping you to feel it all optimistic. It's helping you to know that there's somebody else out there that's with you. And um, I hope that you keep listening to the Vax Lux Life podcast. If you are listening, um, I always end this with saying, I please leave, um, you know, a review or comments or share my podcast that looks like podcasts. It helps tremendously to be able to um, share the podcast further out with other listeners um, and to get great guests to come on here to talk about their own stories and share wisdom. So make sure if you haven't yet, please go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review. Super helpful. And of course, uh, make sure to check me out on Living Lesh on Instagram um, and follow me on my blog, subscribe to my newsletter and get connected in all ways. Um, and thank you for listening and catch you on the next episode.